So I was just in there in the back. It's a little more distracting in the back. I just pray, God, the spirit of attention would be in the back. <laughs> they got stuff swirling around there and things coming off. And Anyway, God bless you all. And I was just feeling so sorry for families that are coming in with all the kids and everything. <laughs> Lord, help our families find their way to where they need to be and come back. Lord, I just pray your mercy on them in Jesus' name. All right, so hopefully everybody has an outline, and uh, it, should call, it should be entitled The Giving Cycle. And uh, by The Giving Cycle, as we'll see, I mean that when we invest, when we give away, there's this law of the universe that when we give away in Jesus' name, we give away according to God's plan, which are not that hard to figure out. Uh, we always get something back. There's always return. It's like seed time and harvest. So when you learn that seed time and a harvest understanding of God, it's a very, very useful as a life skill for your whole life, and that's what really it is. Because you really have a hard time outgiving God. You do it His way, you really have a hard time outgiving Him. In other words, the return is spectacular uh, on your life, as most of us discovered as soon as we began to walk with God in a serious way. So I want to start with reading uh, verses 32 to 35 of Luke 23. This is Jesus um, praying for us, of all things, of all, is on the cross. And um, I just want to get the gist of this uh, as we pray, because the heart of all generosity is Jesus coming, giving his life for us, the Father sending his Son to specifically die so that we could be set free, so that we could actually know him. Because something had to be done about the sin. Uh, with God, there could be no sin. He can't dwell with sin, can't be with sin, yet he loves us, but there's a problem. We're separated from him. Uh, even just one little tiny thing is enough to separate us forever and ever because God's perfect. So he made us perfect by allowing his son to come and shed blood for us and die for us. And then if we'll accept his free offer of eternal life and believe in his son and believe in him, God does this spectacularly amazing thing. He gives back by putting his spirit on the inside of us, the very spirit of God inside of us, and we become born again. We become new creatures. It's funny how that works. It's so uh, you can explain it to just a certain point, and then after that, it's totally unexplainable how God does this. You just get curious. You begin to walk toward God. You begin to move toward Him, and then you make that decision. And when you make that decision, something happens on the inside. A seed's plant it begins to grow and grow. But the thing is, when I get uh, in this particular passage, is that uh, God gave His ultimate gift. He gave the ultimate gift. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. So not only did they crucify him, but they ridiculed him while he was on the cross. And all Jesus said was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Talk about giving. He not only gave, but he gave spectacularly. He gave lovingly. He gave everything. So this is really powerful uh, for our lives. It actually sort of sets the tone for our whole life because if God is anything, he's a giver. Giving is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian, to be God-like. We see in Romans uh, Chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he died for us 
not when we were doing well, not when we were even interested in him, when we were far away, sinning, actually moving away from him as fast as we could, even for those who have been in sin for years and years, who have been in sin just recently, who have been in sin their whole life. It doesn't matter. God demonstrates his own love toward us. So he's a giver at heart. Jesus is the indescribable gift of God. That's what 2 Corinthians 9.15 says. He's the indescribable gift of God who gives us the gift of eternal life, fellowship with God forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So I just wanted to make sure as we just begin this discussion of the giving cycle, which is this cycle of giving and receiving, giving and receiving, sowing and reaping, that the most radical giver is God. And radical giving is at the core of being a Christian. That's what it means to know the Lord. In the end, the Father's highest goal for us is to be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And I want to read those verses. There's quite a few verses I have here, but I want to just read through them. And they all point to this. And it's just such a lovely passage of Scripture. Luke 6, 27. And of course, Jesus didn't just sort of say this from a distance. And then we watched him, you know. Uh, he did this close up by example as he lived the earth. That's one of the reasons why he came. He wanted to show us, well, this is how it's done, right? But I say to you who are listening, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, return to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So God's our great example of mercy and giving. Generosity has lots of forms. It's very interesting. And uh, I want to read out of Luke chapter 6, just a few verses down. And, uh, but the measure we receive is directly connected to the measure we measure out to others, which is really fascinating. So you not only have to be a giving person, you actually get to be a giving person because <laughs> on the other end of it is amazing blessing. Do not judge, and you'll not be judged. It's a form of giving, not to judge. Do not condemn, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, that's in the word, uh, giving is, is in the word forgive. You'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. And then look what he says. He's serious about this, evidently. He gave his son, gave him, and then he says this amazing thing about us. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I think about the last several months and the things we've been through, selfishness at its peak <laughs> in every kind of way, <laughs> whatever name it has on it, whatever political parties associated, just this grasping for power and all the rest of it, you know. And So here's what we get when we give. When we give from a clear heart, 
a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. So I want to convince you today that it, you cannot outgive God. You can't outgive Him financially. You can't outgive Him uh, when you forgive and let somebody off the hook that's wounded you and hurt you. You cannot outgive Him. He'll outgive you every time. And if you take the time to invest in the kingdom like that and the things that God says and the forms of generosity that God offers us, it's amazing what we receive. Do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. But it's not just any kind of thing we get back. I love this so much. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. How many more ways do you need to say it? <laughs> and running over, okay, will be poured into your lap. What an amazing promise. I just love to take God at His promise, you know. I, I love just to look at the thing and just say, okay, that's what you said. So I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to be a giver. I'm, I'm going to, in every way I can, I'm going to be a forgiver and I'm going to be a giver. In Paul's request to the Corinthians to help the poor in Jerusalem, we see the powerful multidimensional effects of being generous to others. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And I want to just read these verses beginning there. And um, so what Paul's doing in this letter, he's, he's trying to get these Corinthian new believers who were Gentiles to support the Jews that were in Jerusalem because they weren't doing very well financially. And for Paul, it was a big deal because even him stretching out to the Gentiles and the minds of even some of the Jewish Christians was a little suspect. And he just, uh, and his heart was to unite the two. He saw the plan. The plan was that God not only came for Jews in his own nation, which largely rejected him, but he came for the whole world. And so he saw on this whole giving thing, this gift that they would give back financially to the poor, he saw this sort of unity thing that could come as well. They could see that the Gentiles really got it, really cared for them, really were walking with God. And, and, and he hoped, I think, that his own countrymen would be touched to the heart, you know, in their poverty by the gifts that were coming from another place from Christians and the Gentiles and both convinced the non-Christian Jews and also the Christian Jews who maybe weren't so certain that Gentiles still belonged, right? And this was a passion of Paul's. You read about it in Romans. It was his passion that the two would become one as God intended. And of course, as the centuries have rolled through, that's exactly what's happened, isn't it? So 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We've got all kinds of side effects today and everything. Isn't that great? <laughs> Think of it as the wind of God blowing through. The squeaky wind of God. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Wow. What a verse. You can apply that in so many different dimensions, not just about money, but in forgiveness and giving people a break and just all kinds of things. If you notice, giving is all kinds of things. Giving somebody a place in front of you, all kinds of things. You know, I think our country in this time, for all the things that have gone wrong, one of the things that's gone right is there's been more generosity. I think there's been something that has weakened in us. And you just see this on the news all the time, various reports. And I just noticed people uh, around even. Uh, there's a little softer thing. I'm sure there's harder spaces too. But I just think that uh, especially the church, this is our time. And one of the ways that we're going to be most effective is if we take all these words to heart. turns out that God loves a, uh, a cheerful giver. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, God didn't have to come down. Jesus didn't have to come. He came because He wanted to. That's really, really important. It's not like, oh my gosh, I created these guys. What a mess. 
well, I guess, Gabriel, we better fix this up, you know. Jesus, you got, yeah, we got to fix this. No, no, no. He gladly came. There were no mistakes. He gave these human beings free will. He gave them a choice. And they didn't do so well with it. But he had to fix it somehow, and so he gave his own life to give people a way back for free, without payment. You know, all the world's religions, wherever I go, it's always built on how much you do, how much you give, how much karma you earn, right? It's all about that. The right offering at the right place, and people get incredibly superstitious about that, worried about offending this God or that God, and that's worldwide. Amazing. This God's a cheerful giver. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking of all the gods I've seen in uh, my travels, and I've traveled a lot, and especially in Asia. Man, they are mean-looking. You should see this one, and you walk in the Bangkok airport. It's like this 15-foot snake. With a <laughs> and these guys, evidently the gods are not happy. They're never very happy wherever you go. It's really quite remarkable. If you notice that, I'm not happy with this situation. And I don't even think the people of the world would know what to do with a happy God. Until Jesus came, right? Then they can't make an idol or, you know, draw anything up or paint his face or nothing, you know. He's beyond that. Anyway, and even the Bible commands against doing that, right? So God loves a cheerful giver. You know why? Because he's a cheerful giver. There's a lovely, joyful partnership that develops between God and us when we adopt a generous lifestyle. I'll tell you what, I, I, am, I am so filled... Uh, Every year that goes by, more joy, more joy. I'm happier and happier uh, to be a part of the giving thing that we do here and what anything that has to do with giving because I, I, I just get such joy in it. I've, I've learned, finally, it only took me my whole life, but I've learned that there's this lifestyle that you get. And you get in that lifestyle and you find there's just so much joy in it. Uh, you know, I, I spent a few years, you know, in my early years, you know, just that 10th was a rough one, man. <laughs> especially when we didn't have any money and raising the kids and everything, but we were able to do it, but it was a rough one, you know. And I didn't have a whole lot of joy those years all the time uh, going through those steps, but I got far more now, and I realized how God works. And there's just a spirit with it. If you just catch it, put your sail up a little bit, even when you give and it hurts, just, just stop that, stop looking over there, and just put your sail up, and you'll feel that not far from behind you or around you is this generous, beautiful, cheerful guy called the Holy Spirit who just comes and fills you and touches you. So it's a joyful partnership when we learn to give. Oh, my, my greatest wish for many of us is that we would learn to give and be a partner with God. You know, learn that partnership. Because otherwise it's sort of rough, you know, because uh, you, know, you always, aren't always in seasons of your life where you're perfectly taken care of. Matter of fact, I spent most of my life not perfectly taken care of, right? But a few years ago, I just began to catch the wind of joy in this whole thing, the whole thing, the whole beautiful adventure of what it is to be a giver. And it's a partnership. It's not that I just put my money in the box or do this or that when I don't want to and feel a little bit better at it. I, I'm beginning to get a joyful partnership. I'm beginning to get it's growing on me every day. And, uh, you know, and I used to spend a lot of time, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to help the homeless and whatever, you know, and I do a lot of thinking on that still, but... When I see someone out there, you know, sometimes I just wouldn't do anything because I just didn't know what to do. What's he going to do with the money if I give it to him? Uh, I don't care. I really don't. 
knowing full well that some people I'm giving money to probably use it for alcohol or whatever, but they also have to eat. There's just something about the joy of the Lord. You stop thinking that's so calculated. You stop being such a mathematician about the whole thing, you know. You stop being religious. And just start being happy. <laughs> happy givers. You know, it might surprise some of you to know that heaven's very, very happy. And even Jesus, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. As hard as that should translate, Jesus was happy about going to the cross. Even on the cross, he said, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. My goodness. And he could see further. He could see what was going to happen. He even prophesied it over and over to his disciples. I like 2 Corinthians 9 very much because as you begin to read on down, look what it says. Because generosity affects us and affects all those around us so powerfully. So look at, as we read through this, he says, you know what, first of all, don't give reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, and God is able to bless you. Now look at the words here. This is what happens as a result. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Could it be that God actually blesses us abundantly? No, I don't sow to get rich, but there is something to that. And we see it all through the scriptures. Give and it shall be given to you. Not just a little bit, but good measure. Pressed down, shaken together. You might have to test him a little bit on that one, but it'll catch up with you sooner or later. Especially when you're younger, you know, and you're thinking about how that could, you know, and just <laughs> but just have that lifestyle. You'll see the good measure will catch up with you. It may take a few years. And the good measure will catch up immediately on the inside of you. And God is able, before it even gets to the outside, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that all things... At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Does that about summarize it? <laughs> How generosity affects us and those around us. Okay, let me read it again, in case you didn't get it the first time. And God is able, oh, and with the able part, well, he says he's able. That isn't necessarily going to do it. Could you just like, catch that little religious chip and put it over there? <laughs> Come back to the spirit of this. God's not religious like that. And when he says he's able, he says, I want to. Yeah, he's able, but he won't do it. No. This is his I want to button, all right? And God is able and wants to. I don't even have to fill that in. That's just he, how he is. To bless you, how? Abundantly. So that how many things? In all things. At how many times? All times. Having how much? All that you need, you will abound in every good work. So that should be your prayer all the time, especially if you're not in that abundance yet, that is the Word of God. That is a promise to you. And you just sow and you reap. You sow and you reap. And not only just generally, but abundantly. Right? That's what the Scripture says. Listen, God is so enamored by our generosity because the generosity is at the heart of the Gospel. Look what he says in verse 9. As written, they have scattered, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. By the way, he especially likes that part when we give it to the weak. Their righteousness endures forever. So that gift that you scatter to the weak, that righteousness endures in the mind and heart of God forever and ever. Pretty big deal. <laughs> he doesn't forget. He sees everything and remembers everything, especially generosity, because that's what sent his son to the Christ, cross. Righteousness that endures forever. 
God gives us even more seed to give and an even larger harvest of righteousness and good deeds when we give. And look at this next verse. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, that would be what you give when you sow something, a nice deed towards somebody, a kind word to somebody, money towards somebody, whatever it is. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. In other words, he not only will... He not only will appreciate what you've given, but he increases your store. In other words, he gives you more to give away. In other words, the more you give away, the more he wants to give you a larger and larger store. And then, can I just say that? You should expect this as a promise. You should expect that when you are sowing, that the Lord will give back to you. you should, and as you continue to sow and more and more, you cannot outgive him. Just give it a shot and see what happens. He'll just give you more back. It's a process. Uh, that we grow through. But this is the promise. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, that's your original seed. He gave you whatever you have to give anyway. And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, he really likes it. He calls that righteous. You'll be enriched in every way. Well, and that's the thing I really like there. So not just in your finances, but every way. That's pretty good. I'm sick. I need health. My children need to do better. They do better at school. I, I need you fill in the blank of which way you would like to be enriched. My, my, my marriage needs help. Uh, I, I, I need this. I need that. Whatever it is, you will be enriched in every way. So this multiplication factor, I just come back in money, but in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, the thanksgiving is God he's talking about is those others that they're giving. They're, that, that they're thanking God. They're praising God through the whole thing, right, as we're going to see. So God gives us even more seed to give and an even larger harvest of righteousness and good deeds. Now we look down verse 12 and 13. A release of many expressions of worship and thanksgiving to God as the recipients of our giving praise God for the blessings they have received. Now here's a very interesting thing that God really likes. When we give to someone and they begin to turn and are thanking God for what was given to them, you see, what you do is you cause worship to happen when you give. You give, and then worship happens. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever anybody gives something special to me, I, I, I thank God for what they did, but I worship because I know where everything I get, no matter what the source comes from, God himself. So what happens is, in a giving lifestyle, you're causing worship to go up before the throne room of God. And last time I checked, God really likes worship. Matter of fact, evidently there's 24 hours of worship going on around the throne, and he would just as soon have that coming up from the earth, right? And when we give, it causes worship. It causes people to turn, especially the saints. Now, sinners maybe not, but the saints. But even though, even that, even sowing to a weak person who doesn't know the Lord, even that, there's something happens where they turn their eyes upward and they wonder, hmm, what's that? Wow, why? Why did they do that? Who is, who is God? You know, they have a thirst. Something. So when we give, we cause worship to go up in the earth. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with Him and with everyone else. Wow. So... I'm going to read that verse again. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself. He's talking about this gift that they're going to give to the, to the church in uh, Jerusalem. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Now, this next verse is very powerful. This one I've discovered over the last several years, and it's very, very powerful. I'm about to say, 
Okay, so where's the drum? Anybody got a drum beat? Just okay. Okay, everybody, if you were asleep until now, wake up now. Hello, everybody. You in the back, back there, wave at me. Okay, good. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. In other words, you were given surpassing grace to given, but these people who you gave to will pray for you. They will pray back. Now, if you think that prayer is just wooden and it doesn't really mean anything and it's just a ritual and, and you don't have much of a desire or much of a, of a paradigm for prayer, that word means nothing to you. But one thing I've discovered is that when people give stuff to me, I pray like crazy for their finances. I pray like crazy for them. I pray blessing over them. And here's another thing. When you give to someone else, they'll pray for you. And those prayers are powerful. See, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Whenever they think of you, they will pray. People that have given me things, I mean, I am a prayer warrior. I pray like crazy for them. Okay, so if you don't believe in prayer, it's a big deal. Nice. Nice pat on the head. <laughs> nice, Mike. But if you really believe that when people pray, it moves mountains, it moves, cha it makes change, then that's a whole different thing. So that means that when I sow towards someone financially and I give toward them, I receive prayer back from them, just as a naturally supernatural thing. Now, I've learned to do that for all that pray for me, that give, have given me or been generous to me or kind to me in any way. I pray like crazy. I do it reflexively. But I do it even more reflexively because I realize that's how the thing works. They gave me something, and I pray back something on their own head. Oh, yeah, this is super spiritual, but really it's not. It actually works out in the everydayness of your life. You will see. If you have not gone down this road of giving and generosity, you will see that you cannot outgive God, that generosity will catch up with you. Over time, it will catch up with you. And here's the thing. A person that gives money to you or some kind of financial assistance or some kind of practical assistance, they don't always need money or practical assistance. Sometimes they need a son or a daughter to come to Jesus Christ. Sometimes they need a marriage to be healed. Sometimes they need a sickness to be healed. So when we sow uh, like this, there's amazing things that come back on our own head in terms of the things that we need because God knows. And it's a natural thing. That's why I like this so much. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Don't, when somebody gives you something, your heart just goes out to you. You know, you, you go out to them, you know, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. And you pray grace. It's just a reflexive thing. And uh, one thing that uh, we talk about a lots of uh, principles, one of my favorite prayer meetings, as most of you know, is this marketplace prayer meeting that we do. And so the marketplace prayer meeting has all kinds of uh, intricacies to it because our daily bread is about our general life, right? There's <laughs> all kinds of things tied up in it. So it's the way that God gets to us. It's the way God speaks to a lot of us through our daily bread, you know? When, when there's a gift or an encouragement or we sow and we receive, it just, it's just a dis great discipler so around these things. And, and uh, so uh, guys and gals that are at that marketplace prayer meeting, you're going to hear this passage a lot. Whatever you do, if you give something to someone, just say, hey, pray for me, would you? <laughs> just do that. So from now on, that's what I'm going to do, right? I always do it, but just, just tell them, just, you know, remember to pray for me, and then I'll call them up. You know, hey, remember to pray for me, okay? You know, because I just, just encourage, you know, if you've done that, just make this prayer partnership between you and another person because they are more than a little connected to you. When you do something kind for them, they're connected to you. So this back and forth thing glorifies God and he really likes it. Do not underestimate the power of the prayers of blessing from the recipients of people that you have blessed. 
and return, whether it's money or something else. Matter of fact, could I just say that may be the definition of ministry, even the motivation for ministry, whether it's money or something else. Be generous, and people will be generous back. If nothing else, in their prayers for you, and you need their prayers. And their prayers count, and they mean something, and they move mountains. If you believe in prayer, believe in this. <laughs> when you minister to people, it comes back on your own head because that tenderness in their own heart, they'll do anything. They'll do anything, you know. I've watched this in funeral after funeral. People that were givers, people that were uh, uh, wonderful men or women of God, and they died, and you see out in the crowd the people who just broke their heart to see these people leave, but they're so appreciative. They come out of appreciation for what that person does. They, they're like a giant tree. I'm going to get to trees here in a minute, but they're like a, a giant tree, you know, that blessed and blessed, you know, and all the people come even at their memorial service to be under the shade of, of their life and to remember because they brought, bore such good fruit. I'm telling you, giving, being generous is where it's all at. It's just right back straight to the cross, right on through the rest of our lives, right? God gave his indescribable gift. Jesus was a cheerful giver. From the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so we see down here at the bottom of the page, all of this is Christ-like behavior that glorifies Jesus. And then he says at the very end of this chapter, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I want to just uh, turn, as we look toward the bottom there of your outline, Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 35. And uh, I've read this uh, verse for a long time. It's a very simple verse. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, I want to just read it in its context here. In everything I did, this is Paul, the... Uh, Apostle, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. He's talking about working hard and then giving to the weak. Remembering the words the Lord himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I've mentioned why that is in various contexts, and uh, but I want to reach it just from a different angle as we close here today. I was preparing this and I felt like I wanted to prepare it. And I didn't know exactly what to call it. And I thought, well, I'll just call it the giving cycle, you know. And uh, just what I mean by that is the investment goes in and there's something that comes out in all kinds of dimensions that we've mentioned this, right? And, uh, but I, and I, I kept thinking, okay, okay, I'll put, call that. And then as I'm doing this, I kept hearing this word, the giving tree. And I could, for the life, I could not for the life of me remember what the giving tree was. I knew there was some sort of book or something. I couldn't remember. I kept thinking about it, thinking, oh, what? And then finally I'd ask Janice, do we have a book, or is there a book called The Giving Tree? And she says, oh, yeah. And I said, well, where is it? She went right to the bookcase and pulled it out. And it's this little book here. Maybe some of you have seen it. All elementary school teachers probably have seen this. How many have seen this book or read this book? You know why you've read that? Because millions of people have read this book. It's just a simple little tiny book. It's called The Giving Tree. And so I, I want to just... Uh, just read through this book a little bit. I won't, um, it's sort of hard without the pictures because the pictures are part of it, right? And uh, so it says, once there was a tree, and then there's this picture of this. You can't see it, so I won't. Uh, 
first row, maybe. And then I was trying to negotiate. I thought, well, I'd put it up on the camera. I mean, on the these the the uh, you know on the slideshow there or whatever the where you can see something, you know. But there's no way nobody's you know most people won't see it. So I gave up. Once there was a tree, and she loved a little boy. You remember that? And every day the boy would come, and he would gather her leaves, and make them into crowns and play king of the forest. So there's this guy with crown on, walking around like king of the forest. He would climb up her trunk and swing from her branches and eat apples. It's so funny because I, I remember there was a tree like that. And uh, my mom, uh, when she was uh, uh, doing her studies to become an elementary school teacher, would drop us off at this house. And in the backyard, I remember uh, I climbed that tree every single day. I got so much joy out of that crazy tree. And, man, I went to such heights. If they knew how high I'd climbed up in that tree, they wouldn't have let me do it. And I almost, I did fall off a couple of times. I fell out, and I didn't tell anybody, man. It hurt, too. But I loved that tree because I wanted to keep going back in that tree. So maybe it's a little boy thing. But anyway, so, and they would play hide-and-go-seek. Hide and I'm not sure how a tree and a boy plays hide-and-go-seek, but this, this they did here. And when he was tired, he would sleep in her shade. I remember I would do that, you know. I'd be tired, and this tree was so great, and I'd just go to sleep in the grass, right, until it was time to go. And the boy loved the tree very much, and the tree was happy. But time went by, so the little boy begins to grow, and the boy grew older, and the tree was often alone. Then one day the boy came to the tree, and the tree said, Come, boy, come and climb up my trunk and swing from my branches and eat apples and play in the shade and be happy. I'm too big to climb and play, said the boy. I want to buy things and have fun. I want some money. Can you give me some money? I'm sorry, said the tree, but I have no money. I only have leaves and apples. Take my apples, boy, and sell them in the city. Then you'll have money and you'll be happy. So the next picture is the guy climbing up and getting all the apples and carrying them away. And then I like this last part. And the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away for a long time, and the tree was sad. And then one day the boy came back, and the tree shook with joy. And she said, Come, boy, climb up my trunk and swing from my branches and be happy. I'm too busy to climb trees, said the boy. I want a house to keep me warm, he said, and I want a wife, and I want children, so I need a house. Can you give me a house? I have no house, said the tree. The forest is my house, but you may cut off my branches and build a house. Then you will be happy. And so the boy cut off all her branches, and carried them away to build his house. And Here's the boy carrying the branches. So he builds his house. And the tree was happy. That's the important part. And the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away for a long time, and when he came back, the tree was so happy he could hardly speak. Come, boy, she whispered, come and play. I am too old and sad to play, said the boy. I want a boat that will take me far away from here. Can you give me a vote boat? But down, cut down my trunk and make a boat, said the tree. Then you can sail away and be happy. So he cuts the trunk, and so there's just a stump left. And the boy cut down her trunk and made a boat and sailed away. And the tree was happy. But then it says, but not really, because all there is is a stump there. right? After a long time, the boy came back again. I'm sorry, boy, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. And the boy replies, well... My teeth are too weak for apples. My branches are gone, said the tree. You cannot swing on them. I'm too old to swing on branches, said the boy. My trunk is gone, said the tree. You cannot climb. I, I'm too tired to climb, said the boy. 
I'm sorry, sighed the tree. I wish that I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I'm just an old stump. I'm sorry. Well, I don't need very much now, said the boy. Just a quiet place to sit and rest. I'm very tired. Well, said the tree, straightening herself up as much as she could. Well, an old stump is good for sitting and resting. Come, boy, sit down, sit down and rest. And the boy did. And the tree was happy. So, uh, I don't know, it gets me. I don't know why. I do know why. (laughs) Jesus said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That means he became a stump. Right? For the joy set before him. And then he said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Just like the tree. Sometimes we don't think that our tree is very happy. Jesus is more than happy to give us rest, even when it cost him everything. He's happy. He found joy in giving. He understood. The king of the universe understood what it is to be happy, and he knew it was in giving and sowing, being selfless. We rest in him, and the tree is happy. We give rest to others, and we're happy. And that's really important. God loves a cheerful giver because he knows that we'll get something back, that we become cheerful. It's really, really important. And when I think of that stump, I just think of this generosity that's given, you know, and it's amazing. There's just enjoyment in this. Maybe someday you'll be a stump, right? Maybe your kids are making you a stump. <laughs> and the grandkids. <laughs> I feel like an old stump. But what I want you to see, and I think it's in the spirit, is there's joy there. You can find it because the spirit's in that. Don't waste your stumpness. <laughs> it's funny. And uh, I didn't see this till last night. My wife pointed it out to me. So this book actually wasn't to me. It wasn't to, it was given to John. To John on his sixth birthday. As you grow older, may you learn the joy of giving. As the tree in this story does. We love you very much, Grammy and Granddad. Why don't we stand? Lord, I pray that you would cause the giving cycle in us to burn bright and be so absolutely clear. For the joy set before us, may we endure our crosses. We never grow tired of sowing and the whole process of reaping. And I pray, Lord, as we sow and even things we sowed long ago, I pray we would just feel the joy of God, that we learn to be like the stump even (laughs) and enjoy the presence of those that we give to, even if they don't return it perfectly. May we learn the joy of giving and receiving 
May we understand the giving cycle in these times. May God put back on your head every nice thing you ever did. Don't put your eyes on what you haven't done or what you haven't given or you could have given more. Just God wouldn't want it that way. He'd want you just to appreciate what you've done because he appreciates it and call you into this amazing journey, this amazing cycle, this amazing love. May God bring joy to you. May God make your tithing, gifts, offerings, little things you do, a cup of cold water, joyful again. May you find your happy thoughts again. May you find that you can never outgive God. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. May you find this joy of heaven that all the creatures in heaven and Jesus and the Father have because of the gift of giving. May God bless you and put a return on your head of seeds already sowed. May God inspire you to give new seed. May God refresh your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and for his sake. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.